listening to 30 on Broadway, Talking Blue Shirts, on the Face Off Hockey Network. Hey everybody, welcome to an all new episode 30 on Broadway. We are back after uh, what has been, what was an exciting adventure at the Garden on uh, Saturday. Yeah, where well, uh, you thought I was absolutely hammered and I wasn't even drunk. I, I, I could have sworn Nick was blasted off of his mm-hmm. mind and then come to find out that uh, apparently, what, Sudafed? I, yeah, it was all Sudafed. Sudafed makes Nick seem drunker than a well okay <laughs> for, for for some clarity here i do not take pills of any kind i am completely 100 percent drug free i even like my doctor even knows when my doctor like prescribes stuff for me she knows that like as soon as i'm feeling a little bit better i'll stop taking it because i just i i, I don't play with you know medication stuff can become highly addicting so like any time like my body comes in contact with anything that is remotely a foreign substance it just everything goes out of whack so it was was just it was funny yeah i was i was not feeling good last week starting around like tuesday and i was taking sudafed all week and i had taken some friday before i left and yeah chris thought i was absolutely drunk off my ass and i'm gonna be honest with you nick I've, I've had a little bit of a sore throat for since uh since monday it might be it's strep not, i don't know it's it's not my fault oh, oh, <laughs> but uh have, yeah no we were made, you know, have, so you, we, have you made plans and canceled them yet so we uh, we we were able to see a phenomenal phenomenal rangers game with against the devils um that was <laughs> A great, just a great game. I mean, well, they had a, I'll say this look, too. It was my first ever foray into the Ranger Devil rivalry, which I was I was very happy. That was the second. Take. That was the second time for me. Um, but yeah, it gets it gets a little. It's a little bit amped up. There's a little bit of you could sense the animosity. I mean, the okay. animosity towards PK Subban was at points deafening. It was I, insane. I, 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 I don't know if you heard really that well on TV how loud the boos were every time that PK touched the puck, but it was it was very loud. And it, it so, definitely- big ups to Barkley Goodrow going at him. It wasn't much of a fight, but you know what? He made him answer the bell. And, you know. Well, it was he, more than what Mark Shifley did in Winnipeg. Yeah, and and you know, he 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 made him answer. Um, PK did have a dirty hit at the end of the game with on Artemi Panarin. Uh, that was a, a bullshit play again. What else is new? But what a lot of people didn't see on TV because I found out afterwards that they didn't show this, and a lot yep. of people online were ripping on Ryan Reeves. A lot of people didn't see one of the most one of the funniest things of the night. And that was Ryan Reeves basically dogged PK all the way back to his bench like a little boy. I mean, just basically like, shoot, 
get and going. He was, Move. And he was he was telling PK, he was like, let's go. Like, you want to go? Let's go. And PK has and, having none of it. And PK actually, it was even funnier because the ref stepped in and skated PK back to the devil's bench. It was like watching a mom escort her kid yeah, it off was, the playground. It was, it was bad. It was it bad. Was, it was so funny. Yep. And I, but, I will say this, before the, the Goodrill fight, PK was really, like, he really has become a real POS. He, it's a shame. It's he a shame. He did everything he could, and I get it, it's a little bit of gamesmanship. He did everything he could to avoid the fight and try to get Goodrow to take the extra two. And the, Goodrow was smart. It was smart. Kept his, it kept his gloves on until PK was finally like, yeah, all right. Then PK know, tried we'll, to throw in a couple cheap shots at the end with the refs had him, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I want to fight now. Yeah, like, it was, you know, but listen, they took care of business. They they beat the Devils. It wasn't the best game. It wasn't pretty. But again, they they woke up and they they took they took the two points that they had to get. They're on a three game win streak. Shesterkin is stud. It's stupid. It's stud. But like, this episode. Wait, oof. hold on. We'll get to it. We got I, a, a special know. episode. We've got very special. Uh, two guests joining us tonight. We've got Becky yes. from Blue Seats Live. And we have Drew, a uh, part of Blue Shirts Breakaway, which we're going to be bringing them on right now. So we're jumping right into it. We're going to oh, get yeah. rolling and hope you enjoy the episode. And let's go Rangers. A big game tonight against the Minnesota Wild, a team that is falling apart. Let's get it going. All right. So we've got Drew, a uh, part of Blue Shirts Breakaway. Becky from Blue Seats Live joining us. And uh, thanks, guys, for taking some time out before the Rangers beat up on the Minnesota Wild. Can I say that? No, no, you can't because George the, uh, is starting. So that's an automatic. Oh, out. come on already. Nope. Already. All right. Yep. Yep. But I'm going to be you, negative tonight. And I'm you know, 100%. anyone that's doing betting better be betting on Zuccarello potting two points tonight, at least. So that is actually, you just works, reminded so. me. 1, you just reminded me. Oh, Chris. Awesome. I know. Keandre Miller, Thanks. anytime scorer tonight. I'm I'm telling you, put that one. I think he's going to have a big wow. game back to Minnesota tonight. Mm-hmm. We should just, you know. Oh, yeah. This and podcast sponsored the- by Insert Better Company there you here. Go. I work and- for a betting company, so I'm like, I'm not giving any advice here. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you should bet responsibly. So, Chris, can you bet responsibly now, or did like I yes, actually, I like, can stick you with the betting bug, or now like you know you're a full blown. I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. Oh, All right, okay. I I can I'm control just, myself, Nick. I'm just asking because like it's important to check on your friends. So like. You know, let's jump into it. (laughs) Let's let's jump into it. Rangers are on a three game win streak. They started off the road trip with a solid win over Winnipeg. What do you guys think about the Rangers season? The Rangers season has been an an intriguing one. Where do you see the the Rangers right now as we're closing in on arguably the most important part of Chris Drury's early tenure and as a general manager? No one cares what Nick thinks. So, Becky, you start. Ouch. (laughs) That hurts, true. I'm fine with that. (laughs) I'm sitting here trying to get my bed in. Um, (laughs) No, I mean, look, I've been really positive about them. I try not to, to, I look at the Ranger season as they're performing really well. And I look at it like it's a fun escape. It's not like I'm not the GM. I'm not the person who has to sit and like really sit and analyze it. And so, although it's fun to analyze and it's, I'm not knocking people with numbers, but 
I don't know. I mean, I'm enjoying the hell out of the season. I don't hate that they get to start Georgie tonight. And like, I'm not going to have a stroke if they lose. So I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh no, like their expected goals at five on five was like, not great tonight. I'm going to be like, all right, it's a stinker. Like, let's just be, be done with it and move on. I mean, they have the ability to come back in almost any game. Like there's very few games from the season and there were a few, but there are very few of them from the season that I was like, they're, they're just like giving up and they're done. So that's my positive poly take. And I'm waiting to get beat up on that one. So, nah, I mean, I'll tell you what, I'm the numbers guy. And even I agree with you, the fact like hockey's an escape, like, yes, I'm big with analytics and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, this is a fun team. Hockey's an entertainment product. And I'm just happy that this is a fun team for the past couple of years. Yeah. Like I'm a prospects nerd. So it was cool rooting for the tank and, and analyzing the guys we may be able to get, but they weren't fun to watch. Quinn had the team playing such a boring style and you know what? Yeah. We can nitpick Gallant, I guess is how we're supposed to say his name now and some of the decisions he makes. But at the end of the day, I think especially Twitter fans in particular overrate the importance of line combinations in perspective of everything else that goes into a coach's job. I think the quiet part out that people don't like saying out loud is the biggest part of an NHL coach's job is just managing the personalities on the team. All these folks, they're, they're professional hockey players. They know how to play the game. The number one thing to do is manage the personalities on the team. There's a reason why this team loves each other. And yes, yeah, sure, having guys like Ryan Reeves helps, but Gallant, or Gallant, I'm sorry, he, he he was never known as a good X's and O's guy, never. And he's known as a stubborn asshole who always fights with his bosses. This is why he got fired early in Florida and Vegas. But he's also known as perhaps one of the best player coaches in the entire game. And he is as big of a reason as any why the culture change has been so significant from last year to this year. And again, I'm the analytics nerd here. I'm the one that's usually going to go on about the expected goals and how important that stuff is. But at the end of the day, like I, I think it's very true true that one of the reasons this team is so successful is they they like each other they play for each other they play for their coach and uh so yeah it's it's been fun like becky said oh 100 and i and i and i go back to one of the things I, I i said about quinn that was always my biggest knock on him was he was trying to treat just from my perspective i always thought he was trying to treat nhl players like college kids mm-hmm. and there's a difference between getting in a kid's face who's 18 years old, who's playing because he wants to get to the next level. So literally anything you tell him is gospel and he'll do whatever you say and talking to a 24 year old kid making $4 million. And it's like, okay, that's great. You can, you know, six years ago at BU. Yeah. You could say all that shit to my face and I'm not going to say anything. Now I really don't have to listen. I'll just keep doing my own thing. Yeah, so, and I'll, I'll go one step further, Nick, and sorry to cut you off, but like, you know, my, with my job, I'm now like a middle manager at work. My job is to manage a team of managers who then manage a team of staff. And you can't, like the first thing you learn when you become a manager, literally the first fucking thing you learn is you can't treat everyone the same. And Quinn thought that he could take like this same mentality and treat everyone blanket the same. And that's not the way the real world works. I'm sorry, you have to treat Adam Fox differently than you treat, you know, insert of one of the plug, you know, differently than you treat Nemeth or differently than you even treat Lingren. Different people respond to different things. You have to learn how to connect with them, especially nowadays with some of these younger people. You need to learn what resonates with them and treat them all like individuals and not just some blanket team. And that was perhaps Quinn's biggest mistake is thinking he could treat everyone the same. And I'm sorry, like, I know it's great for, especially like the old fogies out there who this is the way they did it back in the 60s and 70s. This just isn't the way the world works anymore. You can't manage 
manage any, no matter what prof- profession you're in, you can't manage a staff like that. Oh, big ah. time. And it's like, like, I know, like, from, from being an early childcare teacher, like, all kids, all their personalities, all different. I, you know, one kid I can, like, get a little tough with and, like, give them tough love and they respond well to it. Another kid I try that, they'll have a mental breakdown and be crying for, like, the next six hours. So it's like, it's just knowing whose buttons you can push, whose buttons you can't push, what they'll respond to, what they won't respond to, and stuff like that. And I really feel that Quinn showed he had no feel for the locker room whatsoever. And it's like one of those things that Gallant, that's like you said, that's the one of the things he's most well known for that they loved him for in Vegas, that he just allowed them to be them. That the and players loved them for at least. Maybe not the right. Not, yeah. <laughs> like well, yeah. and it's one of the things too. You remember when he when he was when he was available and there was rumors that the, he might get hired by the Rangers, Yager came out and talked about Gerard Gallant and how much he loved playing for him in Florida. Mm-hmm. And yeah. That to me was the most ringing endorsement. Like I always liked Gallant, but as soon as Yager put that stamp of approval on him, I was like, "Good, we're done here. I don't need to hear anything else. Nobody else. That's my guy." Because- I wish we could get Yager at the deadline. Honestly, that would be fine with me. <laughs> I, I mean, look, you put him on the third line with 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 Heedle. I I am thoroughly okay with that. That Please. would be. That, I mean, if if he could teach Heedle how to use his frame, that would be perfect. I mean, hey, he might... did the he did the Yager ass move the other day. <laughs> the Yager ass. He did it. Like, like, I mean, if there were two guys that were the greatest at protecting the puck with their ass, it was Yager and Peter Forsberg. I don't think I've seen anybody do it any better than that. But I don't know. Like, this is a really fun team, and it, like, and Drew, I know you are the numbers guy. So, and, and you and I have always disagreed on analytics to a set to a point. But I. I like that this team is not an analytical darling. There's something about that. I don't know what it is. Maybe because I know like shot share is now like a huge thing. And not like, sh- no, 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 no. Shot share is now kind of a thing of the past. It's, it's Oh, is it really? Score, it's scoring chance share. Yeah. It, oh, it's okay. expected goals is what the phrase people use, but it, it's scoring chances is really the, the more literal way, way to put it. It's scoring chance but share. Had the quality oh. of the chances you're getting compared to your opponent. Aren't the Rangers a great team though at generating a bunch of scoring chances? No, not relative to their really? opponents. Really? At least, uh, especially okay, not at not... five, especially not at even strength. On the power play, they're yeah. great, but at even strength, they they're especially their bottom six gets absolutely caved in. So I actually was listening to, um, for those of you that know, obviously, I hope everyone listening to this knows who Shana Goldman is. Yep. Um, you know, she for the Athletic and Blue Shirts Banter and all that. She was on Dmitry Filipovich's podcast. And they were the, talking the about how, cast, right? yeah, exactly. And they were talking about how like the Rangers with Shesterkin and the way the top six is, they need to be a team that can, they were talking about like, you know, kill or be killed. And right now the Rangers top six kills and their bottom six gets eviscerated. It's killed. And the Rangers, they don't need to have a great bottom six. They just need to get to a point where the top six continues to kill and the bottom six can just sustain, survive. That's all. And it's, but right now when the bottom six is on the ice, they're just routinely just caved in over and over again, in terms of whether you're looking at shot share or scoring chances or literally any analytic you want to bring up. But the vibes are immaculate right now. I think yeah, we need yeah, to talk yeah. about that. Like the it friendship is. per 60 is just <laughs> off the charts right now. So. Well, yeah, Gujo's got the nice sharp jaw, Reeves. Sharp, Reeves. Sure, yeah. yeah. Big Girardi energy, but like better looking. <laughs> I don't know. Oh boy. 
But I, I do think Girardi energy though. I, I don't know, man. Danny G's it, jawline was facially. like it really was immaculate. It was, but it was then like stone. then he just became a garbage player. So I, I can't think about him positively anymore. <laughs> Even after like Hank Knight, I'm like, oh, I just don't care. I just can't. But anyway. But I thought I think Becky brought up a good point, and and it was something that you know we've kind of glossed over, but. This team, the, the biggest difference I see besides what Gallant has brought to the table is they never, they never outside of like a couple of games, like Becky said, they never feel like they're out. It, it never seems like this team is done. They're dead. They could go down to nothing in a game or they could be, you know, kind of muddying along. Like we saw in the Devils game, Dick, when we were there, I mean, they, they butted through part of that game, but you never felt like, oh, crap. There's no shot. This team has no chance. So that's been one of the biggest things to me is if they get punched in the mouth, to use that phrase, you know that they're going to come back and they'll come back swinging. And it might not always work. They might not always end up winning or, you know, sometimes it's not going to happen. But that's been a biggest thing to me. And like Drew was saying, the bottom six to me, it's the third line. To me, the, the biggest hole right now is that third line. Besides the top six wing, on Panarin's side with, with Dryden Hunt and, you know, Hunt gets killed for it and it's not his fault, but the third line is just, I feel like it's a black hole. Cause I don't, to me, I don't look at the fourth line of needing to do anything offensively. I look at it yep. as your third line has got to provide some kind of spark to balance off your top six. I'll say and, this. I, I agree with you in theory. The problem is Gallant does look at the fourth line like they should do something offensively. He's had Reeves and crew out there in like critical moments of games where yep. we're down a girl way too often. So like in theory, what you said, I a thousand percent agree with. The problem is the coach doesn't agree with you. Yeah. And, and like I would say that's, that's, yeah. And that's the, the times where, you know, like I don't, I'm, I'm a huge Galat fan, but there's times where I just sit there and I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Like that's, that doesn't make any sense to me to put in that situation. So yeah, you're, you're right on that. I look at it as, you know, your fourth line shouldn't be looked at. Yeah. And if there's a character flaw right now, that's the one that I would say. I know everybody wants to focus on like the Rangers don't have character flaws. Our character per 60 right now is like through the roof. Damn right. (laughs) Led led, led by Chris Kreider. No, 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 no. Yes, yes, yes. The team loves him. Listen, listen, I I think I'm comfortable saying that. Actually, you know what? Becky may be more plugged in than I am, but like I, I have decently plugged into the team. I have a relative that worked in the front office for years. Like, this team adores Chris Kreider. Everybody on the roster adores him. And, you know, you want to get, you know, I know people love throwing out the JT Miller stuff and I'll get into it now, but like he was traded for a bag of pucks because the team viewed him as a negative asset. They, yep. everyone hated him. I, I have it on beyond good authority that the locker why, why room didn't do- like him. Why the front you office didn't thing? like him. Nobody liked knows. him. Drew knows. It's the Drew truth. Knows the truth and, right now. And it's more than, and I'll say this, like, JT Miller has t- developed into a great hockey player. And in terms of what he does on the ice, he is exactly what this team would need. I'm telling you the rumors about the Rangers being serious into acquiring him are bullshit. Uh, they called Vancouver just because Drury learned from the school of Gorton and that you are constantly calling every team to assess and reassess the value of your own players and the players on the market. Um, but again, and you know what? Miller has grown up in terms if he doesn't do some of the partying antics that he became somewhat notorious for and that the Rangers PR department 
became great at burying while he was in New York. But you know what? You know, just a few months ago when Vancouver was heading down the tubes, there was a player on Vancouver that came out to the media and said, we don't even know what we're doing in practice. This coach doesn't know what he was doing. Oh, wait, that was JT Miller. It's that, always that was, him. Yep, Vancouver wants to win next year. They have this fantastic point per game player who is under contract for next year at a variable, very reasonable cap hit. Yet he's the one that's constantly rumored to be traded. There's a reason for that, but it's not just because of the value they think they can get back for him. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Everyone wears a fucking A. I feel like I'm like, we're like New York Ranger fans. Like there's 18 A's. If you don't wear an A, it basically means you're the chosen one. Let's say that. But it's it's true about JT. Like like, his face makes me angry. And that's and there's so, so much to it. Like people like to think it was just like, cause he became well-known as like a partier in New York. It, it's well beyond that. When he was traded, he came out and said, oh, the room was toxic. I'm glad to be gone. I was told by someone who literally worked in the front office of the Rangers. No, 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 no. Yeah, sure. The room's a little bit anxious because they know we're selling off and that always creates a little bit of anxiety. Room was a toxic. They just all hated him because, and the words I kept having to use to describe him were childish, petulant, and entitled. Oh yeah, like, and you could see it. You, you could, could see it. it. Yeah. Look at his fucking face. That I'm was, sorry. You could well, see Nick, it. Nick, we talked. I mean, we talked about. Look, we had Rick Dollywall from I from know, Vancouver. But this hurts me. You know, and, I like JT, and he talked about that. And look, you could say that JT has grown tremendously since he left New York. You know, we talked about how New York isn't necessarily the best market for a young kid to come in and break into the mm-hmm. NHL, especially if you're in Tortorella. that type of. Yeah. You know, you're, yeah, you're you're under that that lock and key and then you're a party animal you're not necessarily a guy that's going to jive with everybody in the locker room and yeah would you love to add a jt miller sure i i would but again to me the biggest thing is what does it do to the locker room mm-hmm. and that's where right now with this team any moves that they make has to jive with the locker room because you can't mess up that dynamic at all there, there's something fear. special there Yep, I, I agree. And, and and the other thing I'd, I'd say with JT too is like, and, and so, you know, him and Chris Kreider are about the same age, I think. They came up around this similar together. One of the people that I know that have fed me a lot of things is, um, you know, a manager at One Oak, which is a very, very popular nightclub that all New York celebrities and athletes go to. The Some of the shit he got into there that never made the light of day because John Roscosco, the old PR manager of the Rangers, is just an absolute pit bull is out of this world <laughs> and like the, the way and and the reason i bring up Kreider is because i've heard nothing but wonderful things about Kreider as a not just a hockey player and a teammate but a human being um oh. there was a story that this individual shared with me where jt was really shitty to someone who he was interested in that didn't show interest back and Ooh. chris Kreider was the one that pulled this individual aside bought them a drink and was like hey relax don't worry about them like it Everyone says nothing but just wonderful things about Kreider. Can we time out though? Isn't JT like married? Now I mean, yeah. I mean, like I know, I know they're all like, I get it, but like, I'm always just like, why do you get? This is a different topic, but why do you get married if you're gonna fuck around? Like, you could get married in your 40s if you want to relax, like, settle down or whatever. Like, that's true. Just makes me so annoyed. I thousand percent agree. Just to be clear, I'm not saying any of this happened when he was married. Just there are. He's been with his wife forever. I know that. He was a fuck boy. Like is the best he is a fuck boy. Yeah. You don't grow out of being a fuck boy. Fuck yeah. boy that's, wants that's, like that's not true, 
I think well, I think if you're a fuckboy, it's always in your DNA. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay, yeah, I can see it always being in your DNA, but there's a point where you can say, okay, I'm not gonna do this no more. Like, uh, yeah, I, sure. But by all accounts, he, he doesn't do the off ice crap he used to. But again, it's I think it's perfectly valid to say, given the acquisition cost, rumored acquisition cost of him, like this isn't the tree you need to be barking up. Connor Garland cool you want to go get phil kessel for a third line scoring role for next yes. to nothing fine yes you want to go out and if you want to go all out and if tomas hurdle does not actually sign with san jose and you want to bring him in nope cool no you don't no. like the best player <laughs> can like we fucking not like Jesus I, I, no i don't i don't want Y'all. hurdle I, yeah. Like I am so I am so against hurdle. It's not even funny. But wait, 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 wait. I, I you're just, against Crowder too, so that's just yeah. how much you know. Can I? Can I? Can I? Do Do you guys know the story of why Nick hates Chris Kreider? Okay, I don't no. hate him anymore. Kreider hooked up with his sister. It's the only thing I can. No, think it's, of even, it's even it's even no, it's even worse than that. No, it's it's absolutely <laughs> no, it's it's right. ridiculous. Chris, Chris would be lucky <laughs> to get a woman like my mother. Let me tell you. <laughs> Wow, all right. I mean, hey, I'm leaving this. So I'm, not, far I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not going there. We're not touching that. But how many years ago was this, Nick? The infamous uh, picture. It was seven. It was dong photo. No, it was the end oh. of the 14-15 season. It was the game against Ottawa where they received the President's Trophy. Okay, so we are outside Madison Square Garden, uh, out by where the old taxi queue used to be. Uh-huh. And, and Chris standing right blitzed, in front of us, blitzed out of his uh, mind. Yeah, I mean, just ridiculous. Outside, right outside of the garden, we look over and we're like, "Holy shit!" Chris Kreider is literally mm-hmm. standing right in front of us, yep. doing nothing. He's just looking at his phone. He looks up. Nick goes up to him and is like, "Hey, Chris, can I take a photo?" And Chris, was <laughs> I not? Just, you have to. You have to say this. No, was you were not. Was I not totally cool about it? Like I didn't go over there all. Loud as far as I could tell, in my state, and, like, you up, seemed cool. And like blow but, up his spot. I just tried to be cool about it because, like, you know, whatever. Like I'm not one of those that like gets starstruck by people. The right, only one going. I ever would get starstruck is by is by Hank. But yeah, I walk over my head, Chris. You know, like tough loss tonight. Um. Do you mind real quick if I if I grab a picture with you? And he's like, oh, I'm busy. And I'm like, like, he really tried to, like, blow me off and be dismissive about it. <laughs> he's literally like, just standing there. Yeah. The story's like, making me I'm, like him more. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm like, I have to get down to, like, by the Javits Center in the next five minutes to catch a bus back to Delaware. And if I miss it, I'm stuck in the city overnight. I'm like, so like me taking the time out to like just ask you for two seconds to get a picture can actually make me miss my ride home. I'm like, you're literally just standing here on your phone. Like, let me get a fucking picture. Like now I got like indignant about it because like, don't don't try and blow me off. I'm like, you know, look, you can get back to texting whatever girl you're texting in two seconds. It ain't going to take you that long. Like your cab ain't even here yet. You're good. And then Chris fell back in the Seventh Avenue and nearly it died. took one of the best but photos ever. He, he got a great picture. Was a great picture. You got the picture. I got. The I picture. do have the picture. So, then you're, so you're yeah. mad at him for taking a photo with you? He didn't even smile. He half-ass smiled. I'm, I'm gonna tweet it out after. Like he barely even smiled. Like, and he was very. That was is very that dismissive. is that that is the and, only and way then, I could justify Nick's disdain over Chris Kreider. And okay, so, but, the, but so the then, problem is, wait, if you would have done this to JT Miller, makes... he would have turned to any girl near you and been like, how about I take a picture of her instead? 
That, see, dude, see? If he did that, I would have been like, yo, that's a baller move. Go ahead, man. Oh, Jesus it's not like, a baller move. Becky's going to kick like, your ass. It's probable, yeah. Let's, let's meet in front of the garden. <laughs> no, but like, but then what makes it even funnier is the next year against Columbus, the home opener, I was with another friend and we Kreider was again outside outside the garden. So he's like, oh, dude, Kreider's over there. I'm like, dude, go over there if you want. I'm like, he's probably going to be a dick. And he's like, no, man, no way. I'm like, I'm telling you, bro. I'm like, he's going to be a dick. So he walks over because he doesn't believe me. And he goes, hey, Kreider, you know, great game tonight. Huge win, you know, whatever, whatever. Kreider looks up at him and just goes, yeah, (laughs) that's it. And then, like, blows him up. So it was like. It's like, dude, like, come on, like, why do you gotta be a dick? Like, Wait. and then like two, and then like five seconds later, Tanner Glass is there. Guy is the nicest guy I'd ever meet. In well, my if you life. suck at okay. your job too, you better be nice to all the fans. Coming <laughs> exactly, up he's probably just jacked. Someone noticed him and like wasn't like you fucking suck, dude. Yeah. Get off my team. Well, well, it's like it's like here's the whole thing though. This was before there was the thirty goal prescriber. This was. You know, I'm going to score 24 and make everyone really believe I'm going to hit 30 and then go like on a two month long cold streak. We, we've spent deliver. we've spent too much time on this. My takeaway from this is Kreider is a lot like how I would be if I were him. And your whole vendetta against him these past few years is because your butt hurt that he wasn't happy to take a photo with you. Wait, yes, I just want to throw right. out there. I've been, there I, have, I have seen him too. And he has been very kind and was taking photos with everyone and was like more than happy to take a picture Sick. with me and my friend. We were like, didn't even have to say good game. I was it, like, hey, Chris, picture. And he was like, yeah. You're probably like, this is this dude that calls me Casper on Twitter. Fuck you. This was before, <laughs> this was before the Casper thing. <laughs> This was before, like, I, I'm starting to believe that it's just because I'm not a woman. If I was a woman, maybe, like, I don't know. Like, he just I, knew you I, were I a just... dick. He just knew you were a dick. He knew right hey. away. He was like, oh, that's he not the asshole. vibes were off. I mean, Nick, Nick, I've just been, like, kind of jokingly giving you crap this whole time, but your buddy on this podcast is the one that's, like, really bringing the heat, so. I know, but, it's, <laughs> but to see, the thing is, I've known Chris for, like, 10 years, and, like, we're almost, like, separated at birth, pretty much, and, yeah, he's, like, my big brother, not really. so. Not yeah. really. Yeah, I'm gonna punch you in the face next All month. Right. Like seriously, let, let, let's let's get right, back let's, to a couple of these questions roll. you want to do because I gotta go all put right. my kid down to bed soon. <laughs> so, all right, deadline's coming. Mm-hmm. What do you see the Rangers doing? What do we see or what do we want? Two very different both. questions. Both, both. Give us right. both. I'll say both. So, I'll take this one first. What do we see is tough because Drury, you know, really does have things under lock and key. Like I, I do know a couple of people very, very connected, and they're like very frustrated right now. Any rumors you're hearing are not coming out from the Rangers; they're coming out from agents or other teams. Um, but I would say, what do I want? Um, it's all about acquisition costs. I actually think Tomas Hartl is exactly what this team would need because I think this team's defensive woes we see are a lot to do with the forwards being poor defensively more than actually the defensemen and a player like hurdle or like an Arturi Lekkanen, I think is really what they need to have more defensively responsible forwards. Obviously hurdle, the dynamic talent that comes with him too is wonderful on offense. Um, and, you know, having him, you can push Heedle to the wing or something like that. There's just a lot more versatility you can bring. And I'm a big fan of just having a lot of different looks and versatility you can bring to your lineup. Uh, realistically speaking, if, if Hurdle's out of play, Pavelski's probably not in play. Dallas is making a push. Uh, I'd like Arturi Lekkanen a lot. I do think the defensive 
prowess he brings could really help this team a lot. And, and he's got a little bit of a better scoring touch than I think he generally gets credit for. And like, if you take like a Lekkanen and then like a cheap Kessel on for the third line, I don't want him in the top six just because he can't drive play anymore. But Heedle's a nice playmate. You know, say what you want about Heedle. Heedle's still a good playmaker. Kessel needs a playmaking center. He can't do anything on his own anymore, but he can still score. He still has one of the best wrist shots in the game. I think a Heedle Kessel combination would be a very nice combination. Again, assume all dependent on what the cost is. I'm not trading Nils Lundqvist for a rental. Nils Lundqvist, I, I, I'm right. sorry. Yeah, no. I understand yep. people love Braden Schneider right now. Nils Lundqvist is a lot better than people give him credit for when he was playing with the Rangers. He's lighting it up in Hartford. Coming into this season, Nils Lundqvist was undoubtedly the best defensive prospect on this team. You're a fool if you trade him for spare parts just because you think there's not a spot on this roster for him. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, I want Claude Giroux, so I, I don't that's, know if yeah, I'm the that's, right person no, to be that's asking. That's the ideal. Yeah, I mean, if they like, could get Giroux, that and would be And I'll trade Niels Lundqvist for Claude Giroux. So. I, I would do that, too. I, no, you want again, Giroux is yeah. completely different. Totally yeah. agree. Um, but, you know, if you're talking about trading, you know, Niels Lundqvist for JT Miller, I'm out. I will, uh, again. I think my my feelings on JT Miller are mm-hmm. very clear. So, like. Oh, yeah. Crystal. I just, yeah, I'm <laughs> over it. So, I want, like, Claude Giroux. I want, like, some, like crazy shit to happen i want like a big name i want a big splash because if nothing else i'm an agent of chaos and i just think it would be really fun so like i like like i've been like pushing like brock besser i know like ricard raquel's been out there also i like these names yeah raquel's good yeah i'm just like not i'm not interested in like making one small move and being like, we did it. We made this big move and now we're going right. to do it. Like, let's fucking do it. It's fucking showtime. I'd like to see them trade Georgiev and get some assets back for him just because he's not yeah. coming back next year and mm-hmm. he's not helping them this playoff. There's a couple of people on Twitter who I like were like, well, like Georgiev's a good backup. What if Shesterkin gets hurt? If Shesterkin gets hurt, it doesn't matter. This team is oh, we're done. done. They're done. They're they're done. Yeah. So yeah. you're just prolonging the inevitable. Maybe you win one extra game with Georgiev and you lose the series four to two instead of four to one like but who, who gives a shit at that point so i, I, just, I don't mind trading him to get assets back for him as well i worry though that no one wants him because like wouldn't they have traded him last year uh, so they would the rangers wanted the first round pick and that was yeah, i think they over simple. yeah they overvalued yeah. it i think it was just too far overvalued and unfortunately to me i think georgie just he needs to be a starter whether it's good or not i just think that's his thing he needs to play consistently he's not pride for a backup role with a guy like Shesterkin who's going to be a workhorse. It's just not going to work go, out for him. He can go ruin Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl's life in Edmonton. And be I will a, be okay. Their lives are already upgrade. ruined. Don't worry about it. He'd be a phenomenal upgrade over Smith or Koskinen. I can't Again. believe Mike Smith still plays yeah. hockey. I mean, the guy has yeah. more own goals than like I had <laughs> when I was playing NHL 94, like my brother Sega when I was a little fetus. So uh, I just, I, I don't know. The guy still I will, plays. I will say this. I, I am I am a fan of both of your visions of what you want. Like, I would love Claude Giroux. If for nothing else, it corrects the Bobby Sanguinetti mistake. So, right there. Hold on. Already, uh, just already be clear. You off. say mistake. Philly wanted Sanguinetti, too. And one of the reasons Dude. why when, what was it, Bobby Clark that made the pick went up there mm-hmm. and said couldn't remember Giroux's name is because Sanguinetti was the name they wanted. So, Philly <laughs> can act all they want that they made some brilliant pick. No, no, no. They wanted two players that went the two picks before Drew to the point where their own freaking GM didn't even know who he was supposed to be picking because who they wanted were just picked. 
Oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah, this, and this, I, is, I don't um, this isn't even just coming from me. Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick were talking about that story on their podcast. So, like, nice. that's as sourced as it can come. Because <laughs> I, well, not if you read Rangers Facebook, they they believe that Merrick is a fringe insider. Which a- anyone, is, anyone who anyone who takes anything <laughs> about Rangers Facebook seriously is an idiot. Oh, it's, it's it's a good time there. It it really is. It's it's so. It's not. It's, a good time. it's, it's not but, at all. It's I mean, I thank you for doing the work that I don't have to do by <laughs> using this information. So, but I I really I would love getting Giroux. I also really want. He's really become somebody that's on my go get him list. I want Andrew Cop. Yeah, I, he's a good he's a good player. Yeah. I. I I had talked about him last year and I want him even more this year. And I'm, I'm on board with Arturi Lekkinen. If we can get Lekkinen, I would be like over the moon happy. Mm-hmm. And I'm almost, I'm almost dead set convinced that that's a deal that's going to happen. We just haven't heard about it yet. Like I, I almost feel like Gordon and jury have like an under the table thing mm-hmm. with that. We're at least getting Sherratt or Lekkinen from Montreal. You better not be getting Sherratt. I don't want to hope I hope it's not Sherratt. Sherratt stinks. But... Any player who, like, the end-all, be-all of their scouting profile is their big? No. <laughs> hey, I mean, you just listed Andre Schuster, but... <laughs> really but, dipping uh, in deep for that one. I know. I, well, I, I always hated Schuster, too, but... I, I really want Cop. I really want Lekkinen. I wouldn't mind Raquel. I wouldn't mind Kessel. Giroux is the, the ultimate. The other go-getter I really wanted was Pavelski, but Dallas seems like they want to play hockey now, which yeah. is really unfortunate. I was kind of hoping that free fall would continue. But well, everyone's free falling now. That's the problem. Well, well, and now it looks like Colorado's really going to – they're going to be the one it looks like that's going to determine the market for everybody else. Because as much as the Rangers are linked to everybody, Colorado now is just as linked as, as we are to, to every big name. And again, so going back to what I was saying before, the reason the Rangers and the Maple Leafs are linked to everyone is the same reason why the Knicks and the Lakers are linked to everyone in the NBA. Yep. Agents put out those names because that helps spur the interest of the, of the yep. shit. So you can't, you have to take so much of that stuff with a grain of salt. I promise you none of this is coming from the Rangers front office. And yeah, like it, it, it definitely seemed like for a while the JT Miller stuff was more Vancouver driven than it was Ranger driven. And I, and I will give jury credit for this too. He definitely did go to the Jeff Gordon school of keeping everything in house. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows a thing unless we want them to. And I mean, look no further than the, the King of clickbait, Larry Brooks, not having a word to say about Ugh. anything. Yeah, I mean, so, I was literally, so I said before, like, I had a relative that worked for the Rangers, like, they literally told me, like, they would tell me things after the fact, like, I know a lot about, like, that, that t- 2017 draft and what happened there, but he would never tell me anything beforehand, because one, I got a big fucking mouth, so he was smart to not trust <laughs> me there, but two, it's, his job would have been on the line, he was very upfront, Gorton made it very well known, you leak something without us telling you to do it for strategic reasons, you're done, like, you can kiss your job goodbye, oh, should be. Murray has done the same thing. I, I, I'm a fan. I respect it. And I, I, I will say, I love how the Rangers played Brooks for a fool because the day he, the day Stepan got traded, four hours before it happened, the Rangers have no plans whatsoever to trade Derek Stepan. It and will the, not happen. The, the same shit with signing Shattenkirk. He was the day they signed Shattenkirk. He was, this will not happen. That's true. I forgot about that. That's right. 
I was so like, drunk that day. It was so, <laughs> so lovely. I was at the gym when that trade broke. Yeah, I, I was remember- in a pool drinking a bottle of champagne. It was fucking wonderful. <laughs> Times have changed. I remember I was at work when that happened. That was sad. All right. All right. Last you guys one. enjoy yes, your July 1st. You got one last question right. before last I go. Yeah. Ryan Strom. What happens with Ryan Strom? hope he's gone I mean I say that like I like him as a person and like I think he probably brings good chemistry to the locker room and I don't think he sucks but like I just and I was a person who wanted the Mika um extension and I was like I don't give a shit about yours like I love him it's fine Mm -hmm. but like we can't have that much money tied up in an inconsistent player we just can't like we need and that's kind of why I'm like I want a center because I want a I want a center. Like I just, there was that magic between him and Panarin, but like I, I think Artemi Panarin can be magical. Like, and, and that magic was also, centering him. Like, yeah. And, and that magic also, I think, is somewhat gone. Like again, when you look yeah. at a lot of the five v five numbers, like last year, yeah. two years ago, they were like said Matt this year no yeah. a lot of Panarin's production so much of Panarin's production this year is on the power play they're starting to look better at five or five v five now but they don't have that same chemistry anymore and it's because really it's they don't have that that Jesper Foss type that can do all the dirty work for them to free up the ice for Strom and Panarin and stuff and I hate I hope the rumors that like they don't like playing with Kako is true because Kako is the perfect skill set fit for that line Kako can do the board work he can be the power forward he can be that net front presence for them Kako is from a skill set fit Kako is exactly what that line needs and I I hope it's all bullshit that stuff that was leaking that carp and some other people said that Panarin didn't want to play with Kako. I like don't oh, trust I don't trust Carp at all. Yeah, ever. I, I, I just wait, don't. didn't he say we were trading for Giordano? Wasn't that that was uh yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. former yeah. future ranger <laughs> Mark Giordano? Yeah, that's yeah. my favorite guy. I will right. say one more yeah. thing, like about Strom though, and and just that line. And I agree, it's like the magic I think is just gone. They can't keep the puck in the fucking mm-hmm. ozone. Like it's yeah. like one shot and done. And I know we've actually talked about it a lot, like on the blue seats live podcast, but like they cannot keep shit in the zone. And that's great. If you're, if you're a great shot and you can get it in, but like, they just haven't been great five on five and I five on five, whatever, there you go. But they just really, mm-hmm. it's just not great. So yeah. I'm saying goodbye. I, I agree with you completely. And I'm going to take this opportunity instead of piling on Strom. So, so with the blue seats live podcast, one thing I, I love, I get along with Dave. Well, but nothing cracks me up more than like he'll tweet out like timeline asleep. Cool. And then he says some shit. That's like, that's not a hot take. That's just like an objective statement. What are we doing here? He is a pain in my ass, but his food takes his I've known the I've known him since like, I can't even tell like for over half my life. And he, his food takes are fucking garbage. And I'm going to take this time to say well, that to him. I, I, I'm boys. With, I'm boys with Sam Stern. So I'm not about to sit here and, and talk too much about food takes and stuff like that. Oh, among man, New I York got, Ranger Twitter I personalities. Know, I gotta know what's a bad food take of his. I, ha- I have this. I have to hear. I need Dave to or Sam. Uh, Dave. Uh, I saw one of Sam's. Uh, Sam thinks French fries ago. are garbage. He thinks tater tots are garbage. She <laughs> Sam's yeah, very just- funny. Yeah, that's just that. Like, no, no. I'll power the feed and I'll get it for you. I'll, but. I'll say it with, with Sam. Thank though, you. Like, Sam is, you know, I, I get along with him well. But if you really want like a good like prospect, like Sam was literally a USHL scout. He he has he was an actual paid scout for a while. That dude, he he knows numbers. He knows analytics, and he's got as good of a scouting eye as anyone that isn't like 
verified Twitter, you know, professional scout. So definitely any, you know, trust him. He's, I trust him just as much as anyone in like the hobby scouting community in terms of their like prospect analysis. Well, you know? I was going to say, I was going to, I was going to pump your tires here, Drew. Out of all the people I follow, be it professional, like I follow a couple pro scouts, but I appreciate every year towards the draft as we as we get ready, especially the last couple of years where the Rangers were, were looking at the draft boards in December. I truly appreciate your scouting breakdowns, and you are one of the people I trust the most when it comes to talking about prospects, and not just the top-tier ones. I'm talking about mid- yeah. and low-level prospects oh. that nobody knows. I have learned so much from you, so I, I, I appreciate just want that. you to know that. Yeah, I appreciate it. And your Ty Smith love never fails. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I mean, you got to find a shtick. And so my Ty Smith Memorial Trophy is just my way of being (laughs) like, hey, this is an underappreciated guy that I really like. Um, Just honestly, the key with it is like, yeah, a lot of work goes into it. You got to look at the numbers. You got to actually watch the games and all that crap that people yell at me whenever I post game score (laughs) stuff. Um, And I do all that. Um, But you also, you can't take yourself too seriously. Like you can't. Like all, it's like baseball. Like even the best players are batting three hundred, you know, batting three hundred at best, right? And same with this prospect stuff. Like you know, if I'm right on a couple key things, then I'm happy, and I'm not going to be that guy. You know, you just got to take criticism well. You got to listen to other people when they're telling you, "Hey, take a look at this, take a look at that," and just just have fun with it. People who take the prospect stuff too seriously, like they're never gonna just do well. That's a good model for life, to be honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it is definitely. All right, Drew, Becky, we we thank you so much for taking some time with us. And seriously, can't thank you guys enough. Yeah, a pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, thank you. All right, so there you go. So yeah, again, big thanks to Drew and and Becky for jumping on and giving us a little bit of uh, different different mindset and different opinions on some of the things uh, that are going on with the Rangers. The Strom stuff—that's actually something interesting. And I know, I, I know, we did, we had limited, we didn't have all, all, we had a little bit of limited time, so I didn't want to jump too deep into Strom. But there is something to be said, and, and they tied on this, the, the not necessarily the chemistry, but something's off. Yep. And and something hasn't been good. And you know, some of the the numbers, and I know, you know, like Drew said, the Rangers keep everything to to the vest. You're not going to know numbers coming out and things of that nature, but. You know, people are saying, oh, 6.6 or six over 6 million. No freaking way. No freaking yeah, way. No, I, um, and, I, and I like Ryan Strom a lot. I, I've really I liked do. him since he's become a Ranger. And it, it's just becoming one of those things. His play lately has just it's, it's, dropped. it's dropped. I mean, dramatically. You and I saw it firsthand Saturday night. Guy missed two wide open nets. Two. And, and, and look, you could say. You know, a lot of people will say, well, look who he's got on his wing. You know, he's got Dryden Hunt on his wing. But you need a guy like Strom as the center needs to drive play on both sides of the ice to me. Well, he's not doing it in the faceoff. He's not doing it in the faceoff dot. He's not. His 45% is not doing it. See, I agree and I disagree to a certain extent because, yes, he has to drive play. But when you have a guy like Artemi Panarin who literally drives play by himself and is an anomaly when it comes to wingers, wingers do not generally drive the play. It's usually always the centerman. Panarin takes that workload off of him. So if he was on another line without Panarin, yes, I would agree. But like Drew said, they they need – and it's funny how 
I hated Jesper Faust on that second line for years because he's not a top six player, but he does all the things to help make that line successful. He does the board work. He wins one-on-one battles. He digs loose pucks out. He opens up and creates ice for Panarin to do what Panarin does best, and that's make plays. And that that's why, and you know this, I am in, in, lock, in lockstep with Drew on this. Capo Caco on that second line because he could be the better offensive. That's what you, that's what you need him to boss. do. That's what you need. You need him to be in that position. He's got all the skill set, like Drew said. But I, you know, and, and I've said this on previous episodes is you're still having, there's still a, we, there's still the expected, or I, I guess you could say the, the hope that it's there because the skill set is there. There's no doubt about it. The skill set is there. The ability is there. Everything is there. It's just putting it all together and producing and performing. And you need that to happen because if it doesn't, it's one of the biggest draft draft gaffes of all time Uh, because, I mean, it it just is Uh, just because of the position of where he was taken. Um, So in an ideal world, yeah, Kaku comes back from injury, slots into that top six. You know, they do something to fix the, the bottom six, notably the third line. If that gives Gallant a little bit more flexibility to stop putting the fourth line in positions where they shouldn't be, that would be awesome. Like I said, you know, I sometimes don't dabble in the reality. You know, we obviously see what is, is actually happening at times, which is one of the things that I kind of go crazy about. But overall, this is a team, to me, at the end of the day, when you've got, a Hart and Vezina candidate, a possible Rocket Richard candidate with Kreider. Right now he is. A Norris Trophy winning defenseman. The system that's in place, the way this team is playing, and just the overall jive and chemistry of this team. How could you go into the playoffs and not do anything when you have an opportunity like this? Well, it's also how can you go to the trade that like when when it's one of the things that we talked about it with Rick Dollywall, like with Vancouver, how they were playing, how could Jim Rutherford tr- justify looking at those guys and saying, yeah, we're going to start selling off pieces with where you're at. Right. How, and and how I said, jury, look at the Rangers right now and say, we're not going to go out and really seriously add to, to make right. us even better. And I kind of misspoke a little bit where I said the West was, you know, everybody's in a free fall. I, I, I kind of misspoke there because Dallas and Nashville are not in a free fall. Dallas is kind of doing what they've been doing all season where they'll win four, five, six, seven, you know, maybe even eight games in a row. I think they've done that a couple of times, but then we always kind of see them lose four or five in a row or start sputtering here. And that's but, what Nashville's doing right now, actually. But it, 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 yeah, but in reality, you know, Minnesota is the team that's in the free fall. This is a huge game for Minnesota tonight. They're two and eight in their last 10. They're spiraling. Uh, St. Louis leapfrogged them. Uh, Dallas is now tied with them in points. Nashville is a point behind. Um, But teams like, you know, Vegas has not been running well. Edmonton has not been running well. And look, I know people will say, well, Vegas just won two in a row. They're four, five, and one in their last 10. They're treading water. Edmonton, four, five, and one. Maybe Minnesota keeps free falling and they trade Matt Zuccarello back to the Rangers. And then Matt Zuccarello's jersey gets retired. 
Oh, Remember what oh, I said? I said that a couple episodes ago. Oh, at, no, all right. How about, how, how about that? Zuccarello <laughs> playing with Panarin. He goes God. from one rushing to another. Oh, Holy oh, crap. Could you imagine? Oh, oh, oh. But, but no, but that's, but again, like, so I didn't mean to say, like, oh, the West is in a free fall. But when you look at, you know, like, Vegas has not been playing well. Edmonton has yeah, not no. been playing well. Anaheim has not been playing well. You know, Nashville. And, and Pat Verbeek said today that he's uh, going to start listening yeah. and engaging the market and, on his UFAs. So, But you've got a team in Vancouver who, you know, they had that burst when Boudreaux took over. And then they kind of fell back a little bit. And they've been kind of like going up and down. And now they're back on a roll. And they're seven and three in their last ten. Two wins in a row. Yeah. How could you justify trading away really anything that you've got right now? Yeah. You can't so justify to me when the Western Conference is wide open out, outside of Colorado, outside of Colorado. And, I mean, the Western Conference is ripe for the taking. Yeah. It, the, the, I mean, like, are you completely? I mean, yeah, Calgary is has been a juggernaut. But even still, like. If you're going into the postseason, are you worried about Vegas right now? No. Are you well, worried if about LA? If they're healthy, yes. If they're healthy, yes, absolutely. But right now, no. Are, have they been healthy and at all this season? Georgie. Oh. Well, hey, we knew that was going to happen quick. But you get what I'm saying? Like, none of these teams are, you know, outside of Colorado, there isn't a team that, you know, and, and again, maybe I said right. Calgary. No, but, there isn't a but team the, that I sit there and I'm like, damn, that's yeah. going to be brutal. I yeah. mean, when you look at the East, you look at, Shit, Carolina, you know, Florida, Tampa, Tampa Bay, you know, Boston now is no. is ah, Boston, Boston no, is no, no, Boston doesn't necessarily scare me in the playoffs, but Boston is a playoff threat right now. Boston is a tough well, Boston, Boston's a wild card team, but I mean, they're, yeah, they're look, closing uh, in on Toronto, but but they're I right I, up I Toronto's look, ass. I, I look at it the difference between the East and West. The the East eight teams that are in right now are locked in. They're making the playoffs. There's not going to be anybody falling out, barring Washington absolutely shitting their pants and just not making it. All right. West, I look at I look at the more, East. There's more wiggle room. I think six of the teams that make the playoffs of the Eastern Conference could realistically win the Stanley Cup if they get out. Oh, I, I don't know about that. I, I know. I, 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 I realistically going up against a Western Conference team could realistically, to me, pull off a cup. Unless, like, Colorado is get, gets there. I literally have, I, I mean, outside of Colorado and Calgary, is right. there a team that you would be scared of? No. So. No. There's no. No. But that's what I'm saying, though. The, the West is weaker than the East this year. It, no, you know, I agree. So I agree hundred percent. But that's kind of what I, I meant. At, that's what I meant. I didn't that, mean that, that like all oh, the Western conferences that are free fall, but when you look at certain teams like Minnesota, who was a running with things. I don't even know what that is. Minnesota. Oh, okay. But when you look at when you Minnesota! look at all right. And you look at like Nashville and you look at Vegas and Edmonton right now. And even Anaheim, because Anaheim for a long time was in the playoff picture. 
they're, these teams, none of them are doing themselves any favors for, for vying for playoff position when the games really matter now. I know the games always matter, but now is the time where it's nut-up time, and this yeah. is where you got to put pedal to the metal. Um, so to me, in this scenario where you're not looking at, oh, Jesus, Colorado, Calgary, Vegas, Edmonton's got their, their stuff together. You know, you've got four or five teams in the West that are like super teams. And you've got a team like the Rangers. And you've got a chance to make noise. I, you can't, to me, you can't say, oh, we're just going to hold on and keep going for the future. Yeah, the future no, starts the, now. The, the future yeah. is now. You've got to take advantage of every opportunity that you have because you never know. You never know. I, I and again, uh, this team needs to bolster up the third, the third line. They need to bolster up the top six. If that is Kaku coming back, like we've talked about before, and slotting into that spot, you hope that's what it is. That is fantastic. It's in house. Third line, to me, needs the most work. To me, it's the third line. That's the that's the ugliest spot right now. And there you go. So, all right. Hope you enjoyed a Minnesota game. Was it Matt Zuccarello who opened up the scoring? Because I didn't look. Ryan, Ryan Hartman. Ah, Hartman. Good old Ryan Hartman. Fantastic. All right. Thank you to everybody for listening. We will see you all next time.